Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College presents Liberty Mail with the Student Fellows of Faith and Freedom. Hello and welcome to Liberty Mail. My name is Grace Riley. And I'm Katie Kenline. And we are coming to you live from the underground studio here at Grove City College. And today we're going to be talking about education and what's going on with it. Because there are a lot of problems in the education system today. We've touched on some of these in past episodes before. But today we're just going to be doing a look over basically all of it from wokeness in the school system to academic decline, which is increasing. And a lot of the, there are a lot of new problems since we've last talked about things relating to this subject. So we're really going to be addressing, can the school system be fixed? And is there, is there any hope for saving it? Because I think many people would agree that there are problems, as we'll be laying out for you today. And also, can COVID still be blamed for academic decline mm-hmm. now in 2024 after COVID happened, mainly between 2020 and 2021, where schools were shut down for pretty much that year period? Um, can that still be blamed for the academic decline or are there more problems under the surface? Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we're talking about, um, what we continue to see in the news, we have seen recently some things with different universities, um, but today we're mostly focusing on K-12 education, um, which arguably is a really, really important time for children across the country. Um, so not as much with universities, but as we know, wokeness is on the rise in universities. But not here well. at Grove City College. Amen. So, <laughs> there's that little disclaimer. Grove City is great. Yes. Um, one of the only good universities, I would say. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone to a regular secular university Yeah, this at is all. why we came so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah we school. both traveled pretty yeah, far. After to some experiences with being in public school in an education system that was just starting to turn this way, a lot of this started happening during COVID, um, but there, I think there are some positives. Grace is going to hit on some of the negatives during this yeah, time. Yeah, I think I have more negatives than Katie we, we were just talking about before the episode. But um, yeah, basically, the schools, I would say, started going downhill like a long time ago, but definitely at a much more increased rate more recently. So even since Katie and I have gotten out of schools, Katie has experience in public school. I have experience in public and private school. Um, and in both the places I was, so one of the common misconceptions is that, you know, if you go to a private school or a Catholic school or something, mm-hmm. um, there won't be the wokeness there or there won't be as many problems as the public school. I disagree with that. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I saw that stuff in the private school I went to also. So I don't think that um, you can kind of slap a Band-Aid on the public school problem by just assuming that private schools are going to be better because that's not always the case. Yeah, Obviously, unfortunately. It depends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And it depends, but that's definitely not always the case. Um, but just to start, we're going to start with some of the woke stuff that's going on in school. So how bad is this? Um, is it blown out of proportion that people keep talking about the wokeness in school or is there legitimacy to it? Uh, the first thing I'll bring up is just the fact that There's a lot of controversy over gender and pride stuff and sexuality in schools when it comes to how parents should be handled um, and how the relationship between parents and the students and the school should happen regarding that. So basically, something that I looked at a few months ago. So a few months ago, there was a report, it was Rasmussen Reports, that found that approximately 60% of Americans believe that schools should not counsel children on gender and sexual orientation without parental consent. And then 
just a few weeks ago, so I just did a story on it for the American Spectator, there was a story where in Rhode Island, a school board went viral because a school board member was saying that she thinks that parents should never be informed about if a child changes their gender in school and that she thinks that parents should never be informed on a lot of things that they're informed on. So the pattern here being that a lot of school boards, a lot of the schools, and there are policies in many schools across the country, public schools, that say that they want to keep parents out of stuff like that. That if a child decides to change their gender at school, they don't want to tell parents. They're going to omit information from parents. So if, for example, they're sending an email to a parent, they're supposed to just kind of, even if they call the student a different name in class, they're Mm -hmm. supposed to kind of hide that to the parent. So stuff like that going on. But while that's true, um, most, so again, most parents oppose this. So while that's all true, as I said, 60% of Americans oppose that and think that they should be made aware of these things. Yet, 3 million students go to schools and districts where there's policy like this, and that number, I'm sure, has increased even Mm -hmm. over the past few months. So that's just one example um, where, you know, parents are kind of being left out of things and they're not too happy about it. Well, and I think that's what we saw. Um, One of what could be a positive from COVID, but there hasn't been much ground that's been able to be taken back or things haven't changed, is when students were sent back to their, um, they were at their home, they were not in school. Um, and people who had parents who cared and were checking in on them um, and were present at home were able to start to see um, what was going on in the school system, to start to see more of the curriculum, to start to see more of the direct impact that um, a school board would have on the education of their child, what their child was being taught. Um, if their teacher was teaching children based on a curriculum or just not teaching at all. Um, And so it's really, it's unfortunate that we've seen school boards go from, I I do believe there's always been a lot of um, debate and tension within school boards. Used to be that that tension was only around, maybe around like sex ed curriculum, um, things like that. There would be debate, but we never saw, we've never seen, I think, Um, this such intense debate over all kinds of things and a highly politicized school board that's pushing not policies to protect children and to give children the best education, but really highly politicized things that I think are connected to um, uh, teachers unions, big teachers unions in big cities um, is where we see it the most. But things like this, we've never, I don't think, seen such a politicized school board where everyone on the ballot knows the political ideologies of every single person running for school board. And it is, it is more important that we know the ideologies. Um, but it's unfortunate that we are fearful of electing the wrong person to the school board. We don't even have um, people who have histories with education running for school board anymore. There are people who are political activists who want to um, bring their um, like progressive ideology into the school system. Yeah, and that was exactly the case in Rhode Island where the story I just mentioned happened where the woman who stated all of the stuff about never wanting to inform parents is basically a a political activist. She Mm -hmm. posts on her social media all the time. Anyone can look that up and figure that out. So that definitely is a pattern. And I think all of this begs the question of why. Why has it become such a radical idea to allow parents to 
be involved in their children's lives, make decisions for their children? Why are the concerns and wishes of parents suppressed um, where basically the school system, the public school system saying, oh, no, we know better for your kid. We know them better. You, we, we don't want to tell you anything about what's happening behind the doors of school. So why is all that happening? Because it's very interesting um, and shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah. Well, and also um, we see statistics about like discipline problems and all kinds of um, just behavioral problems in schools and how um, just schools are becoming a place where less parents are trusting their kids to go um, be taken care of, be just receive a basic education. Um, Instead, um, we know all kinds of especially effects after COVID that we'll talk about later, um, but just public schools especially are not necessarily these places of learning. Um, People are seriously considering homeschool or private school, but mostly homeschool more than ever before. Yeah, and I'm happy to be one of those people. So, I mean, all of this and more. So this reason and many, many more reasons that we couldn't possibly address during this episode have completely convinced me that when I have kids, I'm not sending them to school. I'm homeschooling. 100%. Um, And there's, again, a lot of reasons. But as as Katie mentioned, the academic decline is a huge part of that as well. So if you remember a few weeks ago, or it was a month ago or two, we talked about Satan clubs in school. And also, if you remember, there was a news story about a kid who got kicked out of class because of a Gadsden flag patch. There are all sorts of stories um, that point to the wokeness. But beyond that, Academics are a problem as well, where proficiency in math and reading is at a 30-year low. If you look up the test scores, so the averages for what students used to be getting on SAT, stuff like that, there's declines. It's really crazy. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that we saw tests that were supposed to be designed to be benchmarked tests. Um, Everyone across the board, not just a decline. You know, we've, we've always known that not everyone is a test taker. We've always known that standardized tests are um, not going to show accurately depict education statistics for every single child. Um, but when we start to see like the people who should be good at taking tests, um, sh- like that's more of their style of how they show their learning. When we start to see everyone across the board, all the scores declining. Um, it really is really scary. And I think one of the biggest things that we want to talk about is the connection to what happened with COVID and what happens when um, you take kids out of school, when you take kids um, and basically tell them for months, it's okay for you not to learn. It's okay um, just for you to basically, we're just going to like let you free reign, um, not do anything. And the effects and the aftermath of that um, have been pretty terrible. But at the same time, we see this academic decline. I don't know if there are other reasons that we think COVID is a very big factor we can point to. Yeah, I think that there are other reasons, too, because a lot of the numbers also um, show that in a, in a lot of districts, Rhode Island's another example, there were problems that existed before COVID and mm-hmm. still after COVID. So I don't think that COVID should can be pointed to as well. The schools don't have deeper problems. They're just recovering from COVID. It'll keep getting better. Mm. I think that's true. I think COVID did a lot of damage where deciding to basically put kids' academics and learning and livelihoods on the back burner 
at developmental stages of their lives, of course that had huge consequences. So I think it definitely has big consequences. But a lot of these things have been going on for a while. I think the actual education has been declining for a while. When I was in school even, I went through Common Core, and that yeah. was not very good. That I would argue that that was sig- a significant problem. Yeah. Where when I was in school, I noticed these things. This was before COVID, where the academics and the standards and the way that they were handling education, the approach to education had was already obviously different than our parents' generations, but was already bad in some of those ways. I don't know if you have thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think one of the things that we saw as when I said school boards being politicized earlier, that's this is a really good point, is um, that we should look at other factors too because there are other reasons. And I think um, we think about like decline in learning in schools, but we see at the same time this increase and in, we see an increase in like, specific education legislation and all kinds of lobbying. And especially I think of um, this is where we could say things like instead of focusing on education, we're focusing on like how we bring wokeness into schools, how we bring Mm -hmm. how we're educating the minds of young, not with essential education, but we're educating them in terms of like social political things. Um, And I think so something wild that happened in Washington state, right. Um, at the um, beginning of COVID in 2020 um, is that the state passed, um, my state passed um, in the middle of the night, like state legislature, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I remember watching these votes because it went on and on and on. Um, And they end up passing a like comprehensive Planned Parenthood sex ed curriculum that's like worked into the school. And this was like huge debate for such a long time. We're taking so much time on this, like, let's push this agenda and not focusing, like, all the time that we have these hearings and person after person testifies against this because they say, focus on um, our children's learning. Focus on making sure, like, let's talk about making sure children have the other resources they need at school. Let's make sure um, that like our education funds are being used, like not to push woke agendas, um, but to make sure that, you know, school is a, for some children, it's a safe place. That That's the problem when we sent kids, you know, locked children out of school and said, you have, you can't be here, which could be some children's safe place. But instead turning it into this like little place where we're going to indoctrinate kids with um, new social and political ideas that they need to hear when they're in second grade. Um, and so, we have this uh, sex ed curriculum passed um, that will be comprehensive, which means not just like a two-week class. It's like through everything, um, really highly controversial, very connected to Planned Parenthood's political arm in Washington State. Um, one of the cool things, but it's like it's still really unfortunate, is this is when parents, thank the Lord, start to see for the first time – I mean, some have known for years, but many start to realize what is being taught in schools. This did catch the attention um, of a lot of news. And basically, we got a referendum on the ballot in Washington state to repeal the sex ed law. Um, It did not pass on the ballot in November of 2020 um, because it's Washington state. And, um, you know, I think it lost by at least 10 percent. But in the middle of a pandemic, they gathered um, multiple times the number of required signatures to get it on the ballot. 
um, were gathered throughout the state um, by parents who were not, you know, we don't have many Republicans in Washington State. It's not. It's just common sense parents who um, who literally like would go to like a parking lot of a library or something to go sign this referendum. Um, they gathered a record breaking number of signatures in the middle of the pandemic um, because they realized, you know, why are we why are we focusing on this? Why are we talking about this? But that's the problem is um, like, m- where's the focus on looking at the if you put up the test scores after COVID um, in my state, same year, we have um, 70, 70 percent of students failed the state standardized math tests. So 30% of the kids in Washington state, the same year that they spend all this time pushing the sex ed curriculum, 30% pass the state math test. 50% pass the state English test. This, this is a standardized test that's supposed to just check that you're at your correct reading level, you're at your correct math level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, and that's what you're saying is really the whole point. It's Like, why would there ever be this much focus on all of the social, political, um, what have you issues when the academics themselves are on the decline? And the standardized testing is one of the ways of looking at this. There are plenty of other ways of looking. There's really no question that things are down um, in any way. So why spend so much time on this other stuff? That's really the question. I think it's absurd that there's so much time spent on the rest of the political stuff um, effectively, so on all the social issues and bringing the, the rest of this in and focusing, for example, on sex ed over the academics. It makes no sense. I mean, what's the job of the schools in the first place, right? Technically, it's supposed to be to educate, make sure kids are getting educated. That's the function of the school. And you could argue what, you know, the role of making a good citizen and social stuff might be. Mm -hmm. But the primary function would be to make sure that academics are proficient as students move through the grade levels. And that's not happening. Mm -hmm. So that should be the first priority, the first concern, the first thing on anyone's minds before looking at the rest of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But of course, this is why we can't have nice things. Well, and it's so ironic and sad, too, because when school districts and um, I believe a lot of the problems lie within like administrations, school district wide policies, things that are being pushed really politically by um, teachers unions. Uh, I'm not saying that every teacher is necessarily a part of this. There's a lot um, that's coming top down. Um, but I think one of the problems is when they say, oh, we really care about, you know, we need to push this political stuff. We need to push this like radical acceptance thing. Um, we need to push this for our students' well-being to make them um, make our students feel safe at school and feel for their well-being. But at the same time, again, we see where was the care for every student's um, mental, physical well-being during the middle of COVID? Um, when you said, nope, you can't come to school um, and locked, again, locked children out of school, there was not that concern. Um, if, you know, there's, instead of um, thinking of just like how they can be a positive force for good, they're thinking of how we can like indoctrinate, indoctrinate kids and um, just really continue to push something that um, was never supposed to be, like you said the purpose of schools in the first place um, was not to tell children what to think. 
Yeah, and it's all very crazy, but do you think that there's any saving it? Like, do you think there's hope? Is it even worth discussing what can be done better? What What are your thoughts? Yeah, gosh, well, because I was about to read statistics that say, so, like, um, across the country, and this comes from, like, National Education Association, whatever, um, there is, like, they're talking about rise in chronic student absenteeism, um, which is, like, students missing at least 10% of the school year. It's all these numbers. It's across are up, like, the board. Oh, yeah. Most states, yeah. Yeah, 75%. Um, it's up the numbers of kids missing more than 10% of um, the school year. Classroom dis- disruptions from student misconduct, 56%. It's up 56%. Acts of disrespect toward teachers and staff. Um, rowdiness outside the class. You know, just, like, behavioral problems that, like, we can obviously draw back to things that happened during COVID and like not being socialized and not being um, like not having any rules or anything from school, no structure, take structure taken away from them. Um, But then the other thing I think is technology because there's a lot um, about students having phones in class, students um, from a very young age, just like not able to be present in their classroom. Um, Prohibited use of electronic devices is what uh, the, like, conversation is with the with the educators. Um, but it's really interesting because the government has poured millions of dollars into some of these districts. Um, districts received a ton of funding specifically for, like, they call it COVID-19 recovery money for tutoring, small group instruction, extended school days or you years. You know, like, that wouldn't have had to happen if they hadn't close them all in the first place yeah. so they're talking that's about, another note it's like really yeah. like yeah so now pouring this trying to remedy saying you know we'll have more summer school opportunities more um so it's interesting here you're really you're admitting that like being in person in school was really important um and they spent millions of dollars it says um but despite all of this they've seen very little change on average students will need the equivalent of 4.1 additional months of instruction in reading and 4.5 months in math to meet pre-pandemic levels of achievement report national report estimates. Um, and it's, that's crazy. To me, that is the time we lost in COVID um, and how things started to slow down before that. Um, again, like I think you have a really good point that we, we can't blame it all on COVID, um, and we have to start looking to how do we fix this now? Because it's clear the uh, the millions of dollars of federal funding like is not helping things, um, and I don't know a clear well, answer. And it's also the other thing too is um, as you were mentioning before, there are a lot of great teachers out there who do wonderful jobs, but I would point out too that there are a lot of teachers who don't do their jobs. So I think that's a factor too, where I mean, the quality of the learning itself is important in the way that the classroom's handled, stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot on that level. I don't think it looks very good. I think that the system's kind of flawed at the start and has been for a long time. So um, I think especially as Christians, this is another whole topic, but as Christians, we should be thinking about what the right decision is in regard to education. And I do not think that sending kids to public school is a, the correct decision. That's why I want to homeschool my kids, because I think that um, making sure that there's a biblical foundation and also the correct academic rigor, which I don't think can be trusted at this point, 
um, in the school system, like the public school system. Like there's just a lot of stuff there where it is definitely a different question to think about this from a Christian perspective of all going on and um, how Christians should approach education in the first place. So I think that's just an interesting thing to think about also. Yeah, and I think that um, the last thing I'll say is what you said about teachers. Um, In the same way that the schools, and what I said about administrations, um, could focus, could stop pushing an agenda and choose to um, support kids and figure out what, how we're going to get kids back up to these standards. Um, In the same way, I would say that to teachers unions too, instead of um, spending, they spend a ton of the money that they receive from dues from their union members to endorse certain candidates to back, like to all for political purposes. If they could sit down and because there are some good teachers out there mm-hmm. who could figure out who have done this their whole lives, have a passion for this. It is like extremely high calling to be a teacher mm-hmm. and influence life of children. If they could spend this time and money that's being used to like hyper politicize everything um, from a progressive agenda, I should say, if they could spend this time to figure out how are we going to how are we going to get back, get kids back to the levels they were at? How are we going to be? Um, better teachers? How are we going to make sure kids are instructed? Um, because an interesting thing is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution says some research that they did shows that it takes on average $200,000, 15% of a principal's time, and two years to get a bad teacher out of schools. And that's where, um, like, that's really unfortunate statistics. Um, that's the influence, how powerful teachers unions are, mm-hmm. but they can be a powerful force for good. I, you know, we say the thing, you have one job. And I think about our, our, the teachers union that is representing all these teachers and our um, school districts, their job is not to be a political force or a force for like social political indoctrination. Their job is to educate children and to do it in the best way possible so that kids can learn. They want to be lifelong learners. You know, there are all these amazing things about education that have been completely thrown to the wind because we think uh, they think that it's time to push an agenda. How about they take all this energy they've channeled other places and figure out how can we do our one job, which is to educate children? Obviously, it'd be great. I'm very passionate about this, um, but I think. Some of what, like, I saw as a student on my school board in my huge school district, and just you start to see some, like, misaligned priorities. Um, and we can just continue to, you know, everyone can go, you can go testify at your local school board. I was going to say, I think that's the takeaway, misaligned priorities. <laughs> yeah. And so you start to, you know, find your local school board, go on, find their agendas, find what's coming up. Um, things will be worded in ways that you'll start to see, oh, this is kind of, like said, misaligned priorities, um, and you can go as a like as a citizen. You are you pay taxes to support these schools, levies, bonds, and levies. You're um, you don't have to be a parent. You go show up in the meeting and say, "I'm paying taxes to support these schools," um, and then tell them what you think. Ask them hard questions. Ask them why this part of their budget is going to that. Um, but I think just to be more involved. Um, big takeaway in the education system doesn't have to just be parents, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think great points. And um, yeah, it's just pretty crazy to look at how everything's going. And I'm sure I don't mean to 
be super cynical, but I'm sure it will get worse. I, I mean, the, it's not a good trend, and I don't really see any... What, the things that you just mentioned, that's great advice, great things that people can all do at an individual level. But as far as looking at the top-down um, yeah. of how things are being this run, is it doesn't seem like anyone wants to change things yeah. on that level. But it's true that, yes, as citizens, we have a responsibility and can do our part. Yeah. Well, we're so grateful that you joined us today for this great conversation about education. Um, and please remember to like and subscribe um, on social media or on YouTube, um, wherever you get this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, and we'll look forward to releasing a new episode for you next week. For more information on the Institute for Faith and Freedom, visit faithandfreedom.com.